In this episode, I sat down with Will Marchant of Druid City Daylilies from Douglasville, Georgia. We were attending the Region 2 Winter Meeting in Indianapolis, Indiana. Will and I both share two of the same passions, education and daylilies. He is a principal that gives 100% to his children. He is hilariously funny in person, and his daylilies are pretty phenomenal. I have had several encounters with this witty man, and I sure hope you learned something that you haven't known before listening. Thank you for downloading the Humble Hemorrholic Podcast, where you get to know the people that make daylilies come to life. This is a show to help you get to know the people that share a common love for the genus Hemorrhicalis, or more commonly known as the daylily. We will be discussing a wide variety of topics with daylily leaders, hybridizers, and individuals that simply share a love of the daylily. Along the way, we'll discuss hybridization, different aspects of the American Daylily Society, regional topics of interest, local club topics, gardening basics, trends, and challenges. If you're an emerging or seasoned daylily enthusiast, enjoy gardening in general, or just share a love of podcasts, I sincerely hope that you will enjoy the insights our guests will bring to this podcast. My name is Rhonda Verovin, and I will be your host on this fun adventure. the Region 2 Winter Meeting, and I have had the great opportunity to watch one of our speakers here today uh, several times, and he actually was a speaker at our club at the Wisconsin Daylily Society once, and I saw him at the Can-Am Classic. So this was my third opportunity to see him, and I consider myself pretty lucky to see this character multiple times. The character I'm referring to is Will Marchant from Georgia. Welcome, Will. Thank you. It's great to be here. And uh, I'm sorry that you've had to sit through my presentation three times. So from now on, when I can't make one, I'm just going to send you in my place. So you can probably tell all my stories, my jokes. And uh, since we have similar backgrounds in education, uh, I'm sure that you have plenty of stories that you can make up about. Oh, I could I make some. I could make Absolutely. up lies and people just wouldn't even know. Right? right. Since I tell my kids all the time that I lie. I'm like, guys, you know, I lie. So you never know when I'm telling the truth or not. So you always have to do what I say. <laughs> Just do it. That's right. That's right. My students are one of my pride and joys. And so you kind of jumped in a little bit about who you are, Will the person, not Will the hybridizer. So let's maybe talk about that a little bit. You know, yes, I'm an educator. Education is super important to me. I, my students are, you know, my second family. And so they are really important, and they're the reason I do what I do. I absolutely love them, and I know we share a similar passion. So could you talk a little bit about Will outside of Daylilies? I'd like, I think people would really like to hear that. Well, most of Will is outside Daylilies because uh, one of the things I was talking about in the program today is that school is my life. And as an educator, you understand that as well. And You don't leave it. No, and our families have to understand that too because – School doesn't stay at school. Since that's the only thing that you get to do, that comes home, too. And, and I get all the time, do we have to go with teachers again? Are we really going to talk about school for four hours? And I said, yes, because we have no life outside of school. Right. So, yeah, we're that talking about life. school. Yeah, school. That's what we're talking about. And when we talk about school, we're talking about kids. Right. And uh, since I don't have my own children, those are my children. And I tell them every day, 
that I feel responsible for them and I cry over them and I'm disappointed and I'm excited and I'm proud and I'm happy just like their parents because I'm their parent at school. I'm their school dad. And it doesn't matter if we're the same shade, uh, if we have the same culture, the same background, that I'm their father at school. And it's my my responsibility to make sure that they get the education that they need to be successful in life. And I always tell them this, too, and, and their parents. I said, you know, I have a vested interest in your child because if I can't get your child employed, I'm not going to have Social Security. And so <laughs> I've got to keep Social Security. So I need every one of our children to be gainfully employed. And, and uh, I think one of the things that that's so funny, I think one of the things that people don't realize is that so many kids don't have a positive male role model in their life. And that's not a cultural thing that's not a race thing that's just an in general thing that they right. don't have they really it is lacking i notice it in the north i imagine you notice it in georgia as well and to have somebody in a position so that they can see that men can be in a position of power essentially i know that you know as a principal that's kind of a joke right you don't think you're in a position of power right but yet you're able to be compassionate and kind and always put their needs first. Well, if it weren't for them, there would be no job. And that's what I tell my teachers all the time. They'll say, this would be an amazing job if it weren't for the kids. And I said, Well, no. then they shouldn't be teachers. Well, it wouldn't be a job <laughs> if it weren't for the kids. And uh, I tell, I, this is my 25th year. Some days are very challenging. I can have yes. the best laid plans and they're all sketched out. And the moment I get there, it all changes. And so on my worst day, it's still the best job in the world, and I wouldn't change it for anything. I mean, I, I get an opportunity to impact over 500 kids every day, and um, I have fun with them. I mean, they know I'm going to be tough on them, and I'm following their grades. If they make a low grade, I'm going to have a conversation with them, and I'm going to tell them I'm proud of what you were able to accomplish, but how can we reach that next level since we have to have that growth mindset? And All the time. Our kids can do it, and and we just have to provide them with the, the right opportunities and, and the opportunities to be successful. And so we have some conversations, and I'm very honest with my kids, but I also tell them every day, so you made a mistake. That's how we learn. I make them, too. We're human. We're all going to make them. Tomorrow's a brand new. In fact, next hour is a brand new hour. We're not going to even talk about this after this. We're going to learn our lesson, move on. It won't be held against you. We learn from mistakes and learning's messy. Learning can be very, very messy. messy. And I, I don't know if this ever happened to you, but I've been asked. People say things like, those who can't teach, everybody in the world thinks they can be a teacher. And so I get asked often, why do you stay in teaching? Why do you stay in education? Why do you teach middle school? Like I get that a lot. You know, you should be teaching high school or you should go to the college level. I've taught at those levels. I've taught at college. I've at that level. I've taught in um, high school level. And honestly, I want when they're the messiest. And I think that's middle school. You know, like they really are in the middle of the mm -hmm. mess. And I think that they need some support there. Middle school know? is messy. Um, I spent time teaching middle school. I loved it because I could have conversations with them and they understood my mm -hmm. humor. <laughs> but I also know that the place that you can impact them the most is when they're young and impressionable Absolutely. and you can make the difference right there. And if they believe that that they can do it from the very early age, then nobody can tell them any different later on because that foundation has been set for them. And um, I just see it as a, I, I tell my teachers all the time, there are people who were born to be teachers. 
It's a natural talent. There are people who work really hard at it and they become good teachers, but they really have to work. And there are some people that should never be in a classroom. And that's true. They, they just don't have the compassion, the empathy, um, and and the the desire to make sure that all their kids know that they're loved. And my kids know who loves them. They can tell me exactly which teachers treat them right. And we have lots of conversations like that. I, I eat lunch with them, and, and they're always willing to tell me. And teachers will say, well, how did you know that? And I said, well, I had lunch today with your students. Which one told? <laughs> well, you guess. <laughs> and does it matter? I would hope that I love when my principal says, oh, student Will just said this about your class. I'm like, good. I'm glad that they told you that, you know, because for me, I want them to be transparent. Mm-hmm. There's no secrets that happen in my classroom. Well, no, yeah. everything you do in there should be so exciting. They're willing yes. to tell everyone. Absolutely. Totally fun. <laughs> uh, what about outside? Now, I understand what it's like. I live and breathe education. You don't leave the job at the job. You even take it home. Um, And I know administration does that too. But yet, I know you do other things outside. What other things do you do Well, I buy toilet paper. (laughs) (laughs) Because believe it or not, uh, educators do have to go to the restroom occasionally. Uh, Well, not very often. We're we're, able to hold it pretty well. We are the only profession that tells everyone when we have to go. And it could be in the middle of Walmart. (laughs) Hang on, guys. I've got to go to the restroom. Because right. in school, you have to have someone yes. to cover for you or you're held responsible. Yes. And so we we announce it to the world. Restaurants, <laughs> Walmart, wherever. We have to go to the restroom. But we buy groceries. And it's so funny seeing the kids in the in the grocery store because they're like, oh, they, they kind of peek and they, they follow you down the aisles and they dart around so that you can't, they, they think you can't see them. And they're like, oh, my goodness, they do eat. They're in the grocery store. <gasps> Mrs. V, I can't There's believe you're life here. There's outside of school. We really don't sleep there, even though I tell them we do. <laughs> and they believe you because they oh, don't know yes. when you're lying. <laughs> right. And sometimes I tell them, and you know what? This weekend, you got to stay too. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> Some funny. of them I think would like that. Oh, the funny thing is they'll say, okay, we'll pack our bags. We're, we're coming home with you. <laughs> They'd probably like that a lot. Uh, how did you get into gardening in general or daylilies? In general, like, how did you come into this place? Well, I don't think I've met a plant I didn't love. Uh, we grow lots and lots of things. Um, I started out with, I wanted a, an English cottage garden. Well, before that, uh, I grew up on farming on both sides, my mom and, and my dad's uh, families. And I come from a mixed marriage. Uh, I'm not ashamed to admit it. Um, my dad is a rebel and my mom's a Yankee. <laughs> And uh, it, it was a match made in heaven. I mean, they, it's kind of like our conversation right now, yes. we got north and south, right here. <laughs> uh, you know, we never had a civil war at our house. My parents were always kind and wonderful to one another. And uh, but my mother had no interest in gardening whatsoever. But my dad, anything that he could break off and stick in the dirt, he did. And uh, I inherited a lot of that from him. Uh, my grandmother's always. They had house plants and they had outside plants and they had all kinds of things. My dad had rows of iris, rows of, of um, daylilies, and he knew the names. And as a six, seven, eight year old, I could care less. But I do remember how excited he was to get Francis Fay, the, the daylily Francis Fay. Francis Fay. That's an oldie. An oldie, but I think it was very expensive, like $100 way back in the wow. 60s. and. When he got it, it wasn't that much because uh, it was probably around 1978, 79, and he was so proud of it. And it was, to me, it wasn't even pretty. It was one of those 
don't know, yellow, apricot, whatever. It, they, you know, there, there wasn't a whole lot of diversity in daylilies back then. Grew up with a lot of plants, and my dad would, anywhere he went, if he saw something he didn't have, he would stop, even if it was a stranger's house, and he'd say, can I have a cutting of that? And then, I mean, he was just able to grow it. Um, we, That's a talent in it and is of itself. A, it, is a ta- it was a talent. And uh, he, he liked a lot of animals. He, we, of course, we since we farmed, we had to raise or grow everything that we ate. Luckily, we didn't have to wear it because <laughs> deer skin wouldn't look have looked really good on me. Uh, so I, I just wore hand-me-downs since my dad was a minister. And, and uh, we didn't have a whole lot, but we were always full. We never went hungry. We just didn't have what we necessarily wanted, but we had what we needed. You had plenty. I had right? plenty. And um, what a rich life to oh, have yeah. lived. Yeah. Um, we spent a lot of time around the table and playing games, and uh, we didn't have television uh, because that was uh, something that my parents just didn't believe in. Uh, now it's all it's video games and cell phones. Right. But we spent a lot of time as a family, and we bonded, and we played games every night. We have it, my family has a tradition. I love that you do, or that you did. Uh, Sunday night family game night, and we pull out the board games, and my son gets to pick. And when we don't do it on Sundays, I hear it. But it's tradition. It's family game night. And I'm like, I'm sorry, sweetie, we just can't. And so we had to do family game night Wednesday this week or Thursday. I don't remember. One of the nights we had to do it because my son was so upset with me that we didn't have family game night on Sunday night. Because that's our time that we cherish as a family where the TV gets turned off and we just talk with each other and we play and we bond. And so I love that you did that. I mean, just have, sitting down and having a meal together. So many of yes. our families don't do that anymore. And our student, our kids I say students, our kids, because they're my kids. Our kids never have that opportunity to develop that, um, how you have a conversation, because, you know, they always want to be the star and they haven't learned how to take turns uh, when you're having a conversation because they don't have those family conversations. And our parents don't take the time to sit down with them and, and talk to them about their day. That was one of the things my parents always did over dinner. We talked about what happened at school. Uh, what we might have coming up as far as projects. And it was just a, you weren't allowed to leave the table until everyone was finished. Mm-hmm. And we, we learned manners, we learned etiquette. And kids now, I mean, I see the meeting with their hands. And so a lot of times that's what I do with them during lunch. They think we're just talking, but I'm I'm having those conversations with them and I'm slipping in. Okay, so we have to use a napkin. Yes. We don't wipe it on our shirt. And uh, we have a fork for a reason. Mm-hmm. Our fingers aren't used to eat corn, uh, unless it's corn on the cob. Right. And I've had kids say, Mr. Martin, you're just so fancy. Like, no, I'm not fancy. This is just the way you should be eating. Right, right. What do you do with soup? <laughs> <laughs> Let's not think about that. <laughs> Mandy McMahon and I, just last night, we're having the conversation about, this is kind of a refreshing process where you just actually are talking because... Talking and having conversations seems to be a lost art with many. And just to be able to sit and listen to people's stories is fun. And it is kind of a lost art, I think, because it's so easy to just quick text something or, Mm. you know, watch something. Or so many people are, the whole time that the other person is speaking, they're formulating their response rather than listening, truly listening to what the other person is saying. And I think that's a lot of the, the problem with the discord uh, that we have now, social media hasn't been 
wonderful for that. It's been Absolutely. great in, in its own way. But as far as having civil conversations and having civil discord, it's easy to fire off a nasty negative response to someone when you're not looking them in the eye. So your fingers can do that quickly. But if you were sitting in front of them knee to knee, you wouldn't have that same response. And would you say that to someone face to face? Then you probably not. shouldn't send it. Right. You know, and I, I think that we forget that. And I think that's just part of human nature. And I, I'm sure I'm guilty of things from time to time too. So something that I know about you that other people might not know is that you're a really good singer. And I know that because you sat and serenaded me in Canada. So I was hoping I, I was hoping you would sing your rendition of uh, a Beach Boys classic. Oh, um, help, help me, Rhonda. Yes. Don't you remember singing that now. With, with your dulcet tones? I did. And I think I, I followed it up with, help, I've fallen and I can't get up. Yeah, no, you didn't. Oh, no, you didn't. I should have. <laughs> help, help me, Rhonda. There you go. See, there it is. See? Uh, yeah, he he was very unhelpful and decided to sing to me instead of help me out of a sticky situation. So that was that was classic. You all know my friend Bob Faulkner. Bob Faulkner is an amazing human being, and he also provides me with a lot of comic relief. I use him as a, if I can't think of anything else to say in a presentation, I talk about Bob. He asked me today, he says, now, Will, have I given you bad advice? I said, most of it, Bob. Most, most, of, it. most of the advice has been, right? <laughs> he said, I don't remember any of that stuff. I said, well, you told me. <laughs> you lie to him just like you lie to your exactly. students. Let's talk a little bit. You talked about how you got into gardening, and it was through family. Right, and, and I really didn't finish that because I got off track, which and that I, I do regularly. All the time. Yeah. Um, because at my age, um, you know, at 36, um, <laughs> you're starting <laughs> – at least half of me is 36 <laughs> – the Your big toe. After that accident, where, yeah, the gardening accident. Um, so, and I tell this story a lot, so I've got to stop telling it because once I have been to a club twice, then they really probably get tired of hearing my same stories. But uh, my first principal um, really pushed me to order daylilies. Uh, and so I started out by talking about an English cottage garden. Uh, and so let me finish that up too. So I bought tons of David Austin roses. I love the English roses. And I turned my whole backyard into English rose garden. Well, then the dahlias came and I was forced to purchase the 75. Well, I chose the $75 <laughs> worth, but I was forced to purchase them. That's cheap. That was cheap. So I got about 600 <laughs> for $75. And um, that really sparked my interest. And so because I had such a small lot at that time, I had to decide, do I do other things? And just have a few daylilies, or do I get rid of everything else and do daylilies? That was the whole track I went down. And then um, I was invited to go to Meridian, Mississippi for the Region 14 Fall Regional. And David Kirchhoff was there. And I didn't know who he was. No idea. And they were still using the slide carousels at the time. <laughs> And he showed the most incredible flowers. I didn't even know yeah, that doubles pretty amazing like doubles, that existed. Yeah. And then I, I came to realize that he was really like a demigod in the daily <laughs> world, that he had created all of the modern daily doubles, really a lot of doubles, and then had done some conversions. And, and so I was just in awe of this man. And he I was, have been there. Totally in awe. And now I realize he puts his pants on like everyone else most of the time. I mean, <laughs> most I, of the time. Probably he runs around without them occasionally, but he is getting old. <laughs> 
So you found yourself daylilies. I did. I found myself daylilies, and um, and I, then I started getting into the more expensive ones, and and I do have an addictive personality. Everybody's addicted to me. Yes, um, that's exactly I, the personality. Is exactly. Yeah. And yeah. I tell my office manager all the time. I said, "I'm just like a drug, Wanda. You can't quit me. You can't <laughs> quit me." But I really couldn't quit daylilies. I'm like my dad. If it makes a seed, I'm gonna plant it. And so eventually, I, I learned how to actually do the mechanics instead of just letting nature do it. And my first attempts were uh, were horrible. Did anyone um, show you the ropes on how to do that? Absolutely or did you, not. You just kind of learned by trial and error? Well, um, I knew that if I didn't get something other than what I had, I was going to continue. You've heard the thing, if you always do what you've always done, you're mm-hmm. always going to get what you've always gotten. Yes. And so um, I had to do something if I was going to have something different than the things that were barking in my beds. And and so I decided to spend a little extra money. And, and someone even told me, oh, Barb Pappenhausen told me today, Will, there's such a difference now. And then the first time I saw your program, see, I said, yes, Barb, it was horrible. And I look back at all those and I go, oh, my God, what was I thinking? But a lot of those are in the foundations of my program, which makes it different than other people's. But here's the thing. You know, you talk about growth mindset with your students. Mm-hmm. It's growth mindset. Well, you always absolutely. can improve. Look at where I you came You were a big from. failure, Will, but now look at you. <laughs> yeah, that's not quite <laughs> that's how growth mindset. She is precious. And, <laughs> and I, you know, I even told her how beautiful she was. And she is. She's a lot prettier than, than Bob. So let's talk a little bit about your program and kind of how that's transitioned. When I first started, everything was ugly. And then I decided that um, I, was doing, I would do everything. I would have spiders and I would have dips and I would have tits and I would have doubles and I would have, if you could do it, I would have it. Teeth, I thought teeth were just just the most amazing thing. And people told me, you'll have to edit because you only have around two acres of property. And so you're not going to be able to do everything. Nor would uh, you have the time to do everything. No, exactly. Since I do do my, I pollinate by flashlight. I started to edit. And so now I only focus on just a couple of things. I have uh, patterns, tets and dips. Uh, I still like UF forms. I really like the, the big, loose forms. Those. And I like those in the doubles, too. Yeah. So, um, And I'm doing the tet, more more tet spidery doubles. Um, I mean, dip spidery doubles and then um, tet doubles. That I think that is still my biggest passion. And it's the hardest because it is so well, difficult. Well, tets are a lot harder than dips, for sure. Well, the, and the doubles are remarkably yes. so because they have, they're, they're, some days they have no pollen, sometimes right. they have no pistol. Mm-hmm. And then when they do, they're not cooperative. You know, you, you're, you're lucky sometimes. Well, I'm lucky. Uh, I can make thousands of crosses and I may only end up with 50 seeds. You have to really be focused on that. And, and I think that by focusing my program and Bob Faulkner did uh, give me one uh, good piece of advice. And he said, Will, you don't have to grow 100,000 seedlings to get good stuff. Because they used to say, for every thousand seedlings you grow, you get one introduction. Mm-hmm. He says, I only have room to grow 400 a year. If you cross trash to trash, you're going to get trash. So you have to be very selective in your parent uh, plants. You have to get develop your own line and stick to it. And you're going to see a greater number of keepers. I and, think that's sage advice. And you know, everything else he lied about. But, but that uh, he didn't. Your focus is UFs, doubles, dips and tets. Mm-hmm. And reds. I've uh, Reds are tough. And yeah. David Kirchhoff, not only is the king of doubles, but he's the king of the modern red. Red. And um, it's hard to improve on reds. 
because what can you do? You get another red, you can add a gold edge, you can add a white edge. And, and so being able to improve upon them has been difficult. And also they show all the blemishes. They show all the rain spots. They show insect damage. And so selecting for those that don't, there's just a tiny uh, number that don't, you may end up throwing all of your reds away in a year except one or two. And so it has, it's been a long, slow process building that, that red line. And now I'm seeing some, some pretty good progress there. Reds are hard to photograph. I find reds and yellows in photos don't show. You need to see those in the garden. You know, and for people, when they look at your website and see reds or yellows. They don't buy them. Well, I mean, who's going to pick a red or a yellow from a picture? But when they're in the garden, holy mm. buckets. You know, so it's, it's so hard to capture mm -hmm. red. I mean, leprechauns curls, for example, they, I thought it was an amazing plant. It is an amazing Has plant. Great uh, plant habit. It's a wonderful dormant. The curls and the twists and the green overlay, I mean, it, it just stands out. It would stand out 500 feet. It, and it did at the National last year. I saw it and that I, I, it's on my wish list. Um, I've got to have it. Couldn't like, sell it. Couldn't sell it the year I introduced it. People would not buy it because it was a yellow. Right. And But when they came to the garden, they're like, oh, I've got to have that one. Exactly. And again, I'm sure the same would be true of many of those reds. Maybe you could talk about some of your favorite daylilies that you grow, or maybe you might not currently grow, but that you really appreciate that are not Marchant daylilies. Oh, that's, uh, that's a great question. It's going to cause me to think a lot. Because uh, I, at one time, I, I would have considered myself a collector. I wanted to get everyone's latest and greatest. And so I bought everyone's collection every year um, and uh, ran up quite a, a bill with that. I was going to say, I just try to get one or two yeah, from people was, a year. And I'm, that's it was expensive. hard. I yeah. mean, but uh, I, I had to decide if I was going to focus, then I couldn't bring just everything in because you, you can't cross everything. You don't need it. And so uh, over the years, I bought less and less as I developed my own lines. And now, I this year, I haven't bought a single plant to come in. So you are following Bob's advice on using your own stuff once yes. you get there. So that's now, great. Now, there's always going to be times that you're going to need to do some outcrossing. Of course. And uh, sometimes I will see someone else's plant and I'll go, I have to have that one. It fits perfectly with my program. But the majority of the time, I don't want to drift away from my focus because I want my plants to look like Will Marchant plants. I don't right. want them to look like Elizabeth Salter plants or Bob Faulkner plants or Heidi Douglas plants. They have amazing lines of their own, but I want mine to be unique and to stand out. Um, for many years, people would do polychromes and there would be another cream and another mm -hmm. cream and another cream. And I couldn't tell one cream for the next or one pink with a gold edge from the next or one hybridizers from the next. And I really want my plants, people to say that has to be a will plant because that has the things that he's looking for. So um, I think people will do that with your amazing purple one that you won't let me have. I believe so. But in 2026, it's, it's a <laughs> short seven years from now. Uh, either I'll have it or you'll have gotten it from someone else. Just remember, Larry Grace is... Uh, he's the year before year, me. Yeah, he's only a year ahead of you. Yeah. Uh, but let's say, for example, his Wild Dreams. Uh, it's a gorgeous plant. It's an evergreen. I'm breeding for dormants. So I crossed it with multi-ring pileup, and I've gotten some wonderful future introductions out of it. Um, I crossed it to Grace Stamilli's Blue Darling, 
Um, and I've gotten a wonderful introduction. It looks like bird wings are coming out and oh. blues and purples and turquoise, and it's it's just amazing. And then uh, Heidi Douglas, um, I love her Prince Poppycock. It is a wonderful plant. And you know, I grow a lot of Heidi's. I don't know that one. It's it is it's it goes back to Rose F. Kennedy, but doesn't look like a Rose F. Kennedy kid. Um, it's purple with an eye, and it's just an amazing breeder, a wonderful dormant plant, and I've got some amazing kids coming out of it. Um, Nicole uh, DeVito's Center of the Universe probably won't grow up north. It um, it suffers damage in the, in the winter for me, but it bounces back quickly. It has a few teeth on the edges of it, and by using that, I've been able to put edging on it. A lot of my seedlings. A lot of your more dormant mm-hmm. seedlings. So Absolutely. I could grow those. You could grow those. <laughs> um, Bob Faulkner's, uh, he thinks he's registered as Feng Zhu, but um, But you call it something else. Well, it's registered as Feng Shui, but, you know, <laughs> his Feng Shui, which is what it's registered <laughs> as, has just been an amazing parent for me, too. I've crossed it into my Live Long and Prosper lines, and I've gotten some things that are, in is fact- that the Multi-car pileup, is that... It's, uh, that's the is parent that of multi-car. Parent of it? Okay. Mm-hmm. And so um, once Bob saw my results with, with his plant, he's like, oh, Will, I don't have any more. I've got to get it back. I've got to use it. So, you know, um, it's amazing when, when an, an old dog can learn tricks from a, a young pup. So um, I, I feel like in that way, I've been able to mentor Bob. And, <laughs> you know, I've given back a little bit. Well, way to give back. That's yes. kind of nice. Yes, yes. Uh, I'll, I'll ask you the impossible question that I like to ask a lot of my guests, and that's you need to pick your favorite child, meaning not your favorite student, because that wouldn't be fair. But of your introductions, you know that I want Purple Leopard. That's on my list. That's on your list. 2026. 2026. But so see, you, that's we, when we, I'll get it. And, and we're going to get there. But, you know, we skipped over one of the most important mentors that I have. And that was David Kirchhoff with the doubles. Oh. Because I used his lines to build mine. And you know, I've only given permission for one person to name a plant, William Marchant, and that was David. That is such a beautiful double. That I really wanted. It is really gorgeous. It, it is. And it, it actually goes dormant for me. He registered it as a semi evergreen, I believe. But it it behaves as a as a dormant for me, and um, what an honor it it is to have, to have the plant. king of modern <laughs> double daylilies to name a plant for you, and I only has to twist two legs to get that. <laughs> um, he did allow me to choose the the, and he's like, "Will you chose that, well?" He says that one's a little bit pastel, and I said, "But that's the one I want. It's gorgeous." Yeah, lavender, it, 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 like lavender with gorgeous. the gold edge and the so toothy edge, and oh, and, and the kids I'm getting out of it are incredible. You know, just if I'd had children, they'd been the cutest things you've ever seen. Well, you do have lots so, of children, I do, and they're cute. and they're really cute. They really are. Yeah. But uh, if I had to pick my own, um, the greatest impact on my program has been live long and prosper because it has has such wonderful plant habit, and a lot of times we get plants that have beautiful faces and and there's just no legs under it. Uh, I would say that Live Long and Prosper has had the most impact on my program. And uh, What kind of um, – but you, you talk about the legs. What kind of bud count and branching do well, you tend to get? It has 
four four to five way branching and twenty five buds for me. So it probably has fifty in Wisconsin or or Minnesota. Because you don't take care of them, like you're kind no, of rough I, with them. I, I evidently that I learned that a couple of weeks ago that I don't fertilize, I don't water, I really don't tend my plants. Um, I actually I do fertilize when I plant my seedlings, and they they might get millorganite after that. So my goal is always to give my customers a plant that's going to perform for them as well or better than it does for me. And so that plant habit many times um, is passed along with Live Long and Prosper. The most beautiful, I think, is Viva Glam Girl. It's really gorgeous. It's crested. It's peony. It's, I would almost say it's bearded, but I know it's not. Um, because um, Cristate. Cristate, that's it. Cristate. <laughs> it's definitely not bearded, um, but it is Cristate some days. And uh, it. It, it's so fertile. That's the thing about it. It is so hard to find a fertile myrtle in the in the Tet double world. But almost every cross makes a, a pod, and I've gotten s- colors across it the spectrum. It throws beautiful babies for sure across the spectrum, depending on what you cross it with. I've gotten patterns. I have teeth. I've got all kinds of crazy things. I mean, you can see it across the yard. The clump is in full bloom. It will stop car. I mean, it, it's a, it's a sto- uh, show stealer. Wonderful. Yes. I grow a couple of years in addition to some of them that you mentioned or ones that I'm on the wish list for. So the Harvest Delight was one that just because it's a spidery. Did it bloom for you last year? Yes, it did. It, It was gorgeous. And the bloom was huge. And I was kind of surprised that it gave me such a gorgeous bloom just after just getting it. Um, so and it doesn't make a very large plant. That's a nice thing. I mean, I won't say it's a nice thing. It doesn't take a lot of space, but you get a nice scape with yeah. a big bloom. Yeah. And I was shocked. I'm like, what is that? Because I had just planted it in my friend bed. So you have made my friend bed. Wow. I know that's an honor to be in that bed. And so people will be able to see some marchant plants in Wisconsin. So that'll be pretty nice. I am so proud to have my plants growing in Wisconsin. Because uh, Jenny Kleckner and Francis, they're growing some of my seedlings. I have some seedlings in the seedling bed there. And mm-hmm. and then, uh, so she's probably as tall as most of my plants. Right. Yeah. So, well, you did a program here um, and you've you've been to our club. So if other people were interested in having you speak, I know you'd be more than happy. I mean, I know you've said that I could go to your program for you. And I'd love to have people pay my travel to be Wouldn't able to be do nice? your program. And I can make most of it up. Right. That'd be great. Because I do that every time. Right. But how could people, if they really wanted to have you come, not me, how could they have you at their club? If you want to get in touch with me, I only do limited number because, of course, my life is my job, which is my life, which is which would be my kids. And mm-hmm. so I try not to take very much time away from them. Uh, so I am And I'm pretty, sure they appreciate that. Well, I... I think they appreciate it more than, than my teachers. Uh, <laughs> I think they would probably enjoy it if I took more more speaking engagements. But I try to make sure that I can leave on a Friday after school and I can be back um, on Sunday so that I can be back on Monday. So I only take um, three or four in the spring and, and the same number in the fall. I'm always open to, especially if, if there are clubs that I haven't visited, uh, because I, I would really like people to see what I have to offer them. Uh, especially since most of my plants can be grown in the north, uh, which is my goal. That's where my my customer base and that's who I'm really hybridizing for. 
uh, would be for... Well, if it grows for you, it's going to grow in the South, right? Right. So you're... Unless it's in Florida. Now it might not grow on the coast. Right, 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 but... right. But for the most part, you're safe down South if you buy a marching mm-hmm. plant. But in the North, to hear, oh my goodness, this is a Georgia hybridizer, you know, so there might be people who are a little leery. Mm-hmm. And I haven't had any problems with the ones. And I know that if there are any that would be a little tender, you would always share that I with would people. absolutely, because... And I, I would tell people, especially with Drop It Like It's Hot... That was a $300 day lily. It sold out. But I would tell people that's probably not going to work for you because it has Ted out of the blue in it. Um, I had siblings that were dormant, but that one was going, I knew it would probably be a little too tender for Wisconsin, Michigan, Mm -hmm. Canada, unless you have a greenhouse. So I would always be honest with you. So how would people contact you if they wanted to have you come to their club? Well, uh, there's a couple of ways. Uh, but all you have to do is Google, and Google's our friend. My husband says that I talk to Google more than I do to him. And Which is like, probably true. Why don't true. you just type it in? I said, because <laughs> she understands me. So, <laughs> and so I would just Google Druid City Daily Garden. Um, and will you spell that? There's only one. Druid, D-R-U-I-D, yes. and then city, city is a separate word. Hopefully everyone knows how to spell Daily Pretty Garden. Pretty sure people can feel. They can also email me at wilprof, W-I-L-P-R-O-F, at AOL.com. And yes, I still have an AOL email address <laughs> from the 19th. <laughs> they can get in touch with me and on Facebook. I belong to a large number of the daily uh, pages. And you share pictures up there all the time. Absolutely. It's wonderful to get the eye candy that way. So that's fun. I just wanted to say thank you, Will, for agreeing to sit down and have this conversation. And, you know, friendships bloom in the weirdest places. And it certainly has bloomed in an interesting way for us. It here. certainly has. <laughs> I never dreamed when I went to Can-Am that I would meet wonderful, wonderful people in such a unique way <laughs> on my first day within the first hour. And I think it was love at first sight. Our first conversation. I think so. And, uh, That's true. Very true. Well, thank you so much, Will, for agreeing to be here today and having this conversation. Um, as always, it's just a pleasure. And I love to have belly laughs with you. So thank you so much for agreeing to this conversation. You're so welcome. Thank you so much. If you enjoyed the show, I humbly request that you subscribe in iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Help others find us by sharing your favorite episode with a colleague. And if you sincerely enjoyed the episode, please give me a five-star rating in iTunes. Visit humblehemorrholic.com. That's humble, H-U-M-B-L-E, hemorrholic, H-E-M. E-R-O-H-O-L-I-C, all one word, dot com, for a full list of episodes, show summaries, and to subscribe. Got a specific question? Want to sit down and have a conversation? Or simply want to give feedback? Contact me at Rhonda, R-H-O-N-D-A, at Veroven, V-E-R-O-E-V-E-N, dot com. 
The Humble Hammerholic is a part of the Daylily Pods podcasting network. Visit daylilies.online for more Daylily podcasts.